What a blessing to be a partaker of the unity that there is in Jesus. The union between people in the body and in the blood. Now, today we are continuing in our series where I'm just going through the book of Galatians, the letter to the Galatians from the Apostle Paul, and I'm just explaining what Paul went through and how he stood in defense of the gospel. What we are going to look at, which is very important for us to understand, is the foundation from where righteousness comes and what Galatians teaches on righteousness. One of the biggest things that I've seen in the church is that we have defined our grace gospel inside the parameters of the law. We would use law terminology, we would use a law way of thinking to describe true freedom. Let me give a good example. I hope it's a good example. Um, if, if I go to you and I say to you, if I say to a slave, describe to me uh, freedom from the anger of your boss. Then he would say, freedom from the anger of my boss would be if I've done everything that I need to do and I'm not wrong anywhere. And then if I would say to him now, how can you be saved from the anger of your boss? Then he might say, well, um, somebody must help me to do everything right. And if he can help me to do everything right, um, then I know I will be saved from the anger of my Lord um, or by my boss. Or this guy can come and do the work for me. And if he does the work for me in my name and uh, uh, help me to do my work, then I know I can be saved from the anger of my, my master. Now, in the very same way we've defined the gospel, we've defined the gospel in the point of defining righteousness only in legal terms, defining justification only in legal terms, and not in the light of the gospel, wherein... Um, the righteousness that God has and which, which God has displayed in, when he created man, which is to take dust and give eternal life to that dust and to set us free from what binds us. Uh, when, when we see, we, we cannot define that righteousness. We struggle to define it. We, uh, our law terms cannot define it. It's almost like a father, uh, to continue the example, it's like uh, if, 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 a, if a person comes and does your work for you, then you might be saved from the wrath of the master. But what would be much better is if you get a completely different job and or become or inherit, become an heir of a business where you are the business owner. Then you really set free from the master. And now those terms where you are or the, the whole definition of being completely set free of one system where you become an heir it's difficult to define it, impossible to define inside legalism. It can only be defined inside the parameters of family. Now, when we read Galatians and when we read about works and when we read about all those kind of things, many times we come with a slave mentality and we want to interpret those things with a slave mentality. And in our series, we're going to veer away from that and we're going to see what Galatians mean and what Paul meant about being in the flesh and all of that. Now, uh, the, a little bit of background here. Paul comes and he is a preacher of the grace of God. And he goes around to different towns with a pure motive, just wanting to win people to the gospel. Now, in the beginning, maybe his strategy wasn't that good and he would go in and um, be very, almost kind of an aggressive with what he was teaching and very radical. And towards the end, I, I don't think a lot of it changed. Uh, but 
uh, we can see uh, maturity in handling situations coming to the life of Paul, not by his own doing, but by the working of Christ in him. And he describes his walk with the Lord in Galatians. And he, especially the first two chapters, um, he, he explains what he was going through and whom he met and who he got the gospel from and, and all of those kind of things. And what happened was, there was a, a, a guy that was zealous for the Jewish faith, zealous for persecuting the church, and then after being persecuted, um, after persecuting the church, he comes to repentance. And then from the pure motive, willing to be persecuted himself, he goes and plants churches, preaching the gospel everywhere. And one of the things that he was teaching on was the resurrection of the dead or the salvation of our flesh. In the return of Christ, we shall have uh, resurrected bodies. Um, we shall be made new. We shall have the very life that, what, that Jesus has in his resurrection. That's what he preached. And what he basically then said is that the, 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 the separation that there is between nations, which was defined by the law, which was a separation between the Jew and the Gentile, has now passed away. Uh, there is no more separation because the law has been fulfilled. That which Christ has come to do has been fulfilled. Therefore, the law serves no, more, no purpose anymore. Therefore, there's no more distinction between Jew and Gentile. There's only one people. Now, that simple truth the church struggles with today. We've seen the whole thing about the blood moons and we've seen all those kind of things about the Jewish people and, and everything just revolving around the Jews all the time. Let me tell you something. The gospel does not revolve around the Jews. The gospel revolves, revolves around uh, uh, Jesus and God the Father loving people. And the Apostle Paul was struggling with that very same thing. Um, unfortunately, when we discuss these things, we, we're going to step on some toes. And, uh, well, you know, if that is how it is, what can we say? Th that's how it is. Obviously, we don't want to get people offended. We don't want to get people hurt or anything like that. We want to see people establishing the gospel of grace. And that's why we teach this truth. Now, um, let, us, let us pick it up from verse 12. Let's read from verse 11. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after men. In other words, this is not... And then he explains, he says, For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus. So what he says is, I didn't see somebody preach this message, and now I thought, well, that works and he gets some followers, that's after man, and I, I received it off man, grabbed a hold off with a purpose to make use of because I see somebody else preach it. Neither did somebody come to me in our Jewish customs and religion and teach me this. He says, Jesus Christ was revealed to me. When we talk about that revelation, as I said last Sunday, it's not a revelation like in, aha, like in an aha moment when he read the scriptures. This was God revealed Jesus to him by Jesus manifesting to him. And he was pulled away into the third heaven, be it in the flesh or out of the flesh. He says he doesn't know, but one thing he does know is that he met with Jesus. And um, that there he heard things that was not lawful for a man to say. Meaning, the law would not allow those things to be said. Things like, 
You don't have to tithe to be blessed. Things like, you don't have to follow the Old Testament customs. Think Things like Peter saw when the whole sheet with clean and unclean animals came out, of, uh, out and he said, kill and eat. You know, um, there's, for, there's nothing, for what I declare to be clean uh, can never be declared unclean. You know, that is the kind of things that Paul saw, which was not in line. I mean, Peter saw the very same thing when he saw that vision of the sheet that came down. So here we, we have uh, Paul coming and he said that what, I've, what, what I was taught was not taught by Peter, James or John or the big apostles. That's what he's actually aiming at. And what he's saying is, what I know didn't come, because what, they, what, what was happening is, Peter, um, the Apostle Peter, went and he started to mix Judaism in with the message of grace. And he was pro-circumcision and pro-Jewish customs as well as pro-the uh, Gentiles. And then they would say, well, you know, Paul must have learned a lot of the stuff from these apostles that walked with Jesus. And they are pro-Jew and Gentile mixture, uh, wherein they stand for Judaism and the circumcision and the customs of, of the Jews mixed in with, 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 with a grace message to the point that they want to con um, convert the Gentile believers even unto following the Jewish customs. And that comes from James and all those people that lived in Jerusalem, for they were very, um, you know, turned on to this Judaism thing, which we still have today. Uh, today you will still have somebody when he comes to you and he says he's a Christian and he's a Jew, you will say, well, he's a Messianic Jew. That means he's a Jew that's a Christian. Why even say that? <laughs> I know I might step on some toes. On, on some toes. If you want to call yourself a Messianic Jew, um, go and check your heart. Don't you find your identity in the flesh? You might just find your identity in the flesh. Uh, man, I'm sorry if I must be so blunt concerning this, but that is just fleshly, and that is something that needs to be we need to repent of. We as Christians, or, or if you want to call it Gentile Christians, which is also a fleshly term, we have... Um, walked so much in the shade and in the, in the, um, in the shadow you know, in the shadow of the Jews, not feeling we are legitimate children of God. And because we don't feel that, we want to just suck up to some Jewish customs many times and just feel a little bit closer to God by saying, I've got a Jew as a friend, or this guy's a Jew, or that guy's a Jewish Christian, or some stuff like that. Let's just get that out of our mind. Let's get out of the flesh. Let's get out of... Uh, a life by, by our flesh and defined by nations and racism and all those kind of things. Let's get out of that and get into the real gospel of Jesus so that we can experience the power of the resurrection. Glory to God. So he goes on, he says, For you have heard of my conversation in, times, in time past in the Jewish religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it and profit in the Jewish religion above many of my equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, and called me by His grace to reveal His Son in me, that I might preach Him amongst the Gentiles, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Now, 
what happened here was the Apostle Paul heard things in heaven which was not lawful to say. And then, um, then to him was revealed that the Christ was then to be revealed in the life of the Apostle Paul. Now, what some preach, and, but I don't see it that way, there's a lot of arguments about it, but I just want to give my vision of this or my understanding of this, not vision, my understanding of this. Um, when he says to reveal his son in me was not to say the son has all, always been in you and I just want to reveal to you that the son has always been in you. That's not how it is. Um, it was to reveal the son of God, Jesus, in the, in the apostle Paul or through the apostle Paul and then to preach him, to preach this Jesus that he might be preached amongst the heathen. And that's why I said I heard things that was not lawful to say because we couldn't go and preach the gospel, the good news, which was the message of immortality, the message of the death of separation and immortality as a promise even to the heathen, wherein Jew and Gentile is seen as righteous and qualified for the promises. The Jews believed that only they were righteous unto the promises, that only they qualified for the promises. But now righteousness came through the death of Jesus, wherein we all now have the right unto the promises, wherein the goodness of God is now revealed in the death of Christ, wherein the law was fulfilled, which is the foundation of separation. Now you might say, Bertie, why is the law the foundation of separation? Very simple. If I've got uh, th th uh, three boys and I want to bring separation uh, between them, or let me put it this way, not if I want to, what would bring separation between them is if I buy the one something and not the others. And if the one can have a nice, um, what can I say, a, a nice pair of shoes or a nice shirt or something the others are not allowed to have, or if the one can have a television in his room and the others are not allowed to have it, that television would be the power of separation between them. Now, what happened with the Jews was God gave the law to the Jews, and to them it was called the way of life. They were seen as a, a lamp unto the uh, uh, or, or, or a leader of the blind, and everybody was blind, but they could see because they have the law. Um, now, if the law could be fulfilled and not active anymore, wherein it has passed away, then it would be like a television that was put in the one son's room and now the television was taken out and nobody's got a television anymore. All of a sudden, there's no separation anymore because there's not a group with or one with a TV and one without a TV. In the very same way, when the law was fulfilled, it ended separation. And God could, by ending the law, make of the two one new man. And now the Messiah that was promised to the Jews can also be preached as the Messiah of all people. And all are now righteous for the redemption promised by Jesus, promised by the Father. And that is what Paul is getting to here. He was saying, when I was caught up, I saw a resurrected man, a man that was raised up from the dead. I believe in that time was when Jesus revealed to Paul that all of the sin of all the world was on one man, that it all died, that all were sinners, 
um, and that the sin of all was on one man, that that one man died and was raised. Therefore, there is no separation anymore. And we can see Paul's revelation clearly written in the book of Romans. And he says, that's what I've come to preach. I've come to preach to the Jew and to the Gentile, but mainly God revealed to me that the Gentiles also need this. And he even revealed it to Peter. Very interesting, and we're still going to get to that. He says, then after I received this, neither went I to Jerusalem, uh, to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. But, uh, but, um, but other of the apostles saw I none, save James, the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, God, before God, I lie not. Afterwards, I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they had heard only that he which persecute, persecuted us in times past now preaches the faith or the persuasion of God, which was also called the message wherein Christ conquered death, uh, the message where we can be persuaded of the resurrection that will come our way in the return of Christ. Okay, um, uh, he preaches the faith which he once destroyed. And they glorified God in me. So, what happened was, God came and worked. God separated Paul from his mother's womb. What that means is, God didn't look at Paul from the perspective of a Jew or a Gentile. He separated him from his mother's womb. And he, God came to Paul, even if he was a persecutor of the church, and revealed to him who he really was. Paul understood that. From there, he went to areas and preached not only amongst the Jews, but he preached amongst the Gentiles. And he said that the vision that I've had to preach amongst the Gentiles has not come from these apostles. It was the Lord that revealed it to me. I didn't get it from man. God revealed this thing to me. And now that you guys see and hear false stories that one of my spiritual children, when I call it like that, Timothy is circumcised, you say that I went back to circumcision, that I'm preaching the law again. So Paul was accused of being a law preacher through false accusation, but he stood up for the gospel. He stood up for what was true, and he was not ashamed to declare what he actually believes. And then let's go on. It says um, in chapter 2, Then 14 years after, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also, and I went by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preached amongst the Gentiles. Do you see that Peter was preaching amongst the Gentiles a message wherein he said Christ is for all and the thing that Paul understood what allowed him to go to the Gentiles was the fulfillment of the law, the end of the special nation, the Jews, that has something that makes them special, which is the law, for the very thing they have has been dissolved. It's called the law has been dissolved. So they don't have a TV in their room anymore. But now the promise is not only for those who have the TV, but the promise is now for everybody. And that is what the Apostle Paul said. And he said, I straight away went and I preached in Arabia. I didn't preach to the Jews. I went and I preached amongst the Gentiles. I went for 14 years preaching amongst the Gentiles. And then I, then I went and took uh, Gentiles with me. to. Uh, this is what he talked about uh, Timothy that he took with him. He says he took Timothy. Uh, 
sorry, I've, I've got it wrong. Then 14 years after, I, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, and I took Titus with me also. And he also he, later on, you'll see he mentions Timothy, which was a, a, a Gentile that was circumcised. But the circumcision was because of the, the Jews putting pressure on Paul, not because Paul willingly had him circumcised because of the gospel. Okay, and that's what Paul tries to explain here. He says, And I went out by revelation, I communicate unto them the gospel which I preach amongst the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. So he said, listen man, I went and I preached the gospel there, and then I went separately and I, I wanted to share with these guys, um, you know, and just hear what they have and compare it to what I believe. So what he's actually saying is he didn't get this message from the, from the other apostles. But neither Titus who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. You see, Titus was a Greek. He brought a Gentile with him, already showing these Jews that he believes that the law has been fulfilled. The law has got no power anymore, and there's no purpose for the law anymore. There's only one message, and that is Christ and Him crucified. And when He was crucified, He fulfilled the law. In His death, the lawman died. In His death, the... the, the um, the handwriting of ordinances which were against us, which separated us, was fulfilled, taken out of the way. For I believe the law was a recommendation or a strategy written to Jesus on how to save man. And when Jesus came and did it, the law was fulfilled and no more place for the law. Okay, so there was no more special people that's got the oracles of God. The oracles were fulfilled, therefore now all they have is fulfilled prophecy They've got nothing, so nobody's got anything. All they have now is fulfilled prophecy towards them that they can now believe. And <clears throat> then it says here, But neither Titus, which was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised, and that because of false brethren, unaware, brought in, who came privately to spy at our liber liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us to bondage. To whom we gave place by submission, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. So here he says that Titus was circumcised. Why was Titus circumcised? Because of these people that came in unaware. And because they came in unaware, and they want to spy out the liberty and make life difficult. Now remember, those days, if you brought a Greek in that was not circumcised, close to the temple or anything like that, you were stoned, man. You were killed. So that's why he said, he went and... Um, they came in pri privately to see was this was he really circumcised or not, you know, and uh, and then from there they want to make a lot of lot of trouble. So that's why uh, Paul said just have be, be circumcised, not because we submit to the law system, but because just so that we will not die because of of this. But of these who seem to be somewhat, whosoever they were, it makes no matter to me. God accepts no man's person for they who seemed to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. So what does he say here? He said they added nothing. These great apostles added nothing to his teachings. But counterwise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed to me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter, for he that wrought effectively in Peter to apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me towards the Gentiles. And when James... Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace which was given unto me. They gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen and they unto the circumcision. I mean, that is so clear. 
these apostles, what he's saying is, these apostles never taught us that we should circumcise anybody. And we never had the message that people must be circumcised. I never got it from Jesus. So they never had it from Jesus. I never had it from Jesus. And then he says, <clears throat> all they wanted us to do is to remember the poor and the very same thing that I wanted to do. But when Peter was come to Antioch, he was, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For, for before certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them that were of the circumcision. And the other Jews disassembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried, out, carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walk not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew, live after the manner of Gentiles, and not as of the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live like Jews? You see what he's saying here and what's ha happening here. There was church politics. That's what was going on there in, in Jerusalem. And was all about what people think. So I want to say to you, and this is one of the encouragements I have for you as the church. Church, if you meet church politics somewhere, don't say, oh, this is not the, the, the place of God. How can it be? I can't believe there's church politics. Listen, you're going to always find, where you find church, you're going to find politics. There's always going to be people that's going to, that's going to worry about what others think. And they're going to dance around the, you know, they're going to be scared of certain and they're going to be afraid to, um, to say what they really believe and, and uh, I don't even know how to say it. In Afrikaans is good words for it. In English I just don't know. Um, they want to save face with certain people. You know, you're always going to find that and you will not understand why people do something. Like for instance tithing. You know, you will find grace folk, they believe that you don't have to tithe uh, to, to be blessed but they will never say it from their pulpits. You know, they, they will never be bold enough. And uh, you, you'll find some folk that will maybe listen to some of my stuff, but they will never like something there because of the power of association and all of that and whatever. Not that I say it must happen, but you always have that. And this is my word of encouragement. Don't let that distract you from the truth. That is how it's going to be. You're going to find that. You're going to always find that. If you find the perfect church, you shouldn't join it because then it's not going to be perfect anymore. So we all have some mistakes. There are certain things that I feel the Lord is sharing with me that I will not share now because I want it to mature in my heart. Then I will share it. In the very same way, we'll find always somebody scared, somebody not walking according to the truth, somebody... It's always going to be there. And what Paul did here was, he basically said, I didn't have a problem if they say, we go and preach to the Jews, um, and you, Peter, you, uh, you, you, Paul, you go and preach to the Gentiles. That's all okay. And we believe the same gospel, but we just feel we are to go and preach it to the Jews. The gospel says that there's neither Jew nor Greek nor anything, and we just want to preach it to, we've got a passion for these Jewish people, and you've got a passion for the Gentiles. So you go there, we go here. And then he was thinking, well, that's what these guys really believe. But what then happened was, when Peter came down, then uh, to, um, is this Antioch or what was the place? 
and I can't remember the, the exact place here, um, he says, Peter came down to a certain town where there was Gentiles, and Paul was there, and then he saw that Peter came and walked according to the agreement and the understanding of the gospel, and he ate with the Gentiles. And as he was eating with the Gentiles, they had a good time, and maybe they were there for three or four or five days. And they were just fellowshipping and everything, you know, and as if there's no separation. There's no law that says, I'm not allowed to eat with these guys. And then when some of the people of James came down, some of the Jews came from Jerusalem to, to this Christian gathering, what happened? Then all of a sudden, Peter didn't want to eat anymore with these Gentiles, and he started to follow their doctrine, the doctrine of the Jews, uh, the Jewish Christian mixture message, which commanded that the Gentiles should be circumcised and that they should follow certain dietary laws and all those kind of things. And then um, Peter, uh, then, uh, uh, um, Peter even influenced some of the very disciples of the Apostle Paul. And then Paul got upset. And then he said in front of all of them, and this is what he basically said, he says, Peter, I don't understand why you follow the doctrine of these guys that just came from Jerusalem, which is to say to Gentiles that they need to believe in Jesus and be circumcised and follow the customs of Moses in order to be part of the messianic reign or to have the promise of eternal life in the return of Christ. Why, why are you, you ate with us, you, you already broke all the laws you are now preaching since these guys just came down and you ate with us for days you were eating here with us you live like a gentile you eat like a gentile you drink like a gentile but then when the jews come then you want to convert these gentiles to become jews but you live like a gentile and you are not walking according to the truth now I do believe that we can be straightforward, we can say things to people, and we don't have to be scared. Also, um, you know, but there's a difference, you know. We <laughs> you can use that verse and say, you see what the Apostle Paul did? He went publicly and rebuked people and give that as a powerful fuel to fuel your anger and rebellion and hurt and say, I just love the church. And Listen, we can smell hurt from a mile, man. Everybody can. Everybody can. And I think there's a time when we can just stand up for the truth. There's a time and we can use this verse and say, this man is not walking according to the truth. And what will be the appropriate thing to do right here? And we must also realize, when we look at the Apostle Paul and what he did, it doesn't mean we need to do everything he's done. The Spirit said to Paul not to go in certain places. And Paul did. Um, there were things that, that, the, the, that the Apostle Paul uh, did which was, um, I wouldn't say what was wrong, but what was according to certain customs. In the very same way, you know, we can use this passage and say, well, Paul corrected somebody publicly, then I can also do it. You know, and you can say, well, I can do it. But let us rather do it the way Paul did it. Not, Paul didn't have one verse and say, well, I've got a verse to go and rebuke somebody. He had a passion in his heart, and in that moment he felt the Spirit come to him, and he said to Peter, what you are doing is wrong. Because he knew what a danger it was for, um, for the spreading of the gospel. Now let us just continue with chapter 2. We're going to end with chapter 2 here. 
He says, But when I saw they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew, live like a Gentile and not as the Jews, why do you want, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we believe in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are also found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid! For if I build again the things which I destroy, I make myself a transgressor. For I through the law am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness came by the law, when, uh, then Christ died in vain. Now, let me end this off. Paul comes and he says here, <clears throat> He says, we as Jews, we know that we cannot have life, immortality, justification by the works of the law. Now, when you see justification, see, see it as to be treated according to your righteousness. The Jews believed that they were righteous with the righteousness of the law. The fact they had the law, the fact they had the, the principles whereby which they could live and followed their customs, they had the right unto eternal life. And that eternal life, when it comes to them, they would be justified with what they believe is just towards them and what belongs to them. He says, we know that it cannot be that way. It doesn't work. And then he says, but if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners. Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroy, I make myself a transgressor. So, <laughs> let, let me explain this verse. It says here, But if we, who seek to be justified by Christ, now he's pointing his finger to the face of Paul, of, of, of the face of Peter. He says, Peter, if you, who seek to be justified by Jesus, we are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. Now he explains what it means to be a sinner. He says, For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. So he says, If I, as a Jew, that believe in Jesus for righteousness, am found a sinner. What does found a sinner mean? If I go back to Judaism, I'm found a sinner. Does it mean the fact that I'm a Jew... And the fact that I have now gone back to Judaism, does that mean Christ approves of that? Do you think Christ is the minister of that? God forbid. So what he's saying here is, he's saying the following. He's saying to Peter, Peter, listen man. If we who seek, if we who are passionate for Christ, go back to the old ways, does that mean that that is now a sign that Christ is saying that to all people. Meaning, Peter, if you, 
became, if you, got, if you went and sucked up to the Jews again, because you are scared that you're going to lose, um, you're going to lose stature in the sight of all these Jews, and uh, you know you're going to lose favor with them and all those kind of things, and and you are scared of them. You know you're scared of maybe your business will not do well, or you're scared that they're going to persecute you, all those kind of things, and you became scared, and you go back and build the old former house again, and by doing that you make yourself a sinner, or a transgressor. Does that mean that all of us must see it as a word from God, that we all must now do that? No, God forbid. God forbid. What that means, church, is it doesn't matter how anointed a preacher is. It doesn't matter how much power a preacher has. It doesn't matter if he preached grace or not. But if he goes back to the old system, he is a sinner. He is transgressing. He's a transgressor. Listen to these passages. But if, while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are also found sinners, is Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. If I go back to the law, I am a transgressor. A transgressor is called a sinner. So if I, who am seeking to be justified by works, by Jesus Christ, go back to the law, does it mean Christ has led me there? No. <laughs> what that means is every preacher you hear today that goes back to Judaism, law, the Jewish system, and try to keep the Jewish feasts and all those kind of things, let me tell you, they are sinners, man. That is what it says here. Does it mean, listen, if they are found to be a sinner, are we going to judge them as sinners and say, oh, you bad person? No, no, no. We're going to love on them and bring the gospel of truth to them. But we're not going to see, because they've got a nice church, big building, anointing, traveling the world or whatever, going into Judaism, sucking up to the Jews, and now we're going to say, well, because they've got that, it must be God telling them that. No. Not God telling them that, and it will never be God telling them that, for God forbids it. Forbid means to cease to exist, to end it. He ended it all in Christ. And then he goes on and he says, and I end up with this. He says, I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I. But, so he says, through the law I'm dead to the law. He says, the law couldn't give me life, and through the law, Christ came and fulfilled the law, and when Jesus died, I died to the law, for the law was not fulfilled, therefore there's no need for me to follow it anymore. He says, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. So what he says is, the holy life you see me living now is on account of the persuasion that I have that Christ has ended the law, and that he will return and glorify my flesh. And I already see the first fruit of that spirit of resurrection. I'm being raised from the power of sin. I'm being raised from death. Now he says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness came by the law, then Christ died in vain. So church, that speaks for itself. Let us not frustrate the influence that God has upon our hearts to manifest his life in us by saying, 
we need to follow after Jewish customs and those kind of things. Do you see how radical Paul was with what he believes? So church, let us not be afraid for what this gospel says. The only thing that I want to add in here and cl clarify is Paul didn't say these things because he was just upset. Paul said these things because he loved the people. He was concerned about the gospel. That was the purity of his heart. He wasn't just a rebel going around being an against preacher. He was for something. Glory to God. Well, guys, thank you so much for walking with me through this, uh, through the, the book of Galatians. Next week, we will continue with chapter 3. Let us just pray together, and then I want to just share something short with you. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity that I have to minister this message to the people. I thank you, Lord, that people right now will have the boldness to reach out to people in the web fellowship, to web pastors, to people they can talk to, pray together with people, fellowship with them, and just be encouraged by one another. I also thank you, Lord, that the people <clears throat> that has listened to this can be encouraged by just the word itself and find your life manifest in them. I thank you, Lord, that you will come and just encourage them every day and we can see a mighty church arise um, wherein which expect your return, wherein we see the fruit of the Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. Well, guys, thank you so much for watching. I would just like to use this opportunity and speak a little bit about finances in our fellowship. Um, now, I don't normally talk a lot about money. If you want to give towards this fellowship, you can just go to our donate button. If you want to give it towards our web fellowship, our web church, you can just type in there web church. The way it works is if you put in web church or you put in um, a, a, a ministry to the poor, you know, ministry of helps, that's what it's called. If you put in ministry of helps or uh, web pastor or something like that, that money will be allocated towards that. If you want to give money towards me as a person, you can just put their Bertie Brits. And that is how I receive uh, my money and that's how I receive money to run this ministry. Before the web church was even planted, I've already had supporters supporting the church, um, supporting the ministry, and that money we, we use regularly, just all, all the time, just to run the ministry, to build our stuff, to do whatever we need to do. But we want to have finances as a web church to bless people, to, um, and to, to run projects and do things as a web church. So if you feel to give towards this web church, just go and um, put there, web fellowship or what you want to give it specifically to if you feel you want to give it to a specific person and you don't want to know want people to know who it is you can just put that name there and we can assure you that money will get to that person you can go and find out if it happened or not that is how it will be people will be blessed that way so um, thank you so much for contributing towards this ministry it is awesome let me just make it clear again if you want to give towards Dynamic Love Ministries and you see yourself as part of our web fellowship and you want to give, if you want to give once off or if you want to give on a monthly basis, you go to the donate button on our website and you just click donate and you can give then. Secondly, if you give there, you can, what you feel in your heart, you want to give it to, just mention it there. You know, in the little note that you will have, um, they've got a note area there where you can give a little message. And if you do that, we will know exactly who that money must go to, uh, and how it must work. Maybe you're blessed with what somebody's done for you. If you know somebody in our web fellowship is, is going through a hard time, you want to give, and you want to do that um, 
that people don't know who gives what, then we can, we can do it that way. Other than that, if you feel generous towards somebody, man, just give him, help him, bless him. If you guys see need, one another in need, you know, everything doesn't have to run through my office. My goodness, you know, that, that just makes life difficult. Just bless one another, love one another, and do as you feel in your heart. But we just want to say we, we make that available. In future, I will just share a little bit more as our church grows on how we want to work with finances. But thank you so much for your contribution. You guys are loved and, man, you guys are just awesome. Thank you. God bless.